Welcome to the 10th episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners. This podcast is a production of Startup Space, an entrepreneurship community building platform. I'm your host, David Panraj. In this podcast, we will speak with some of the leading voices in the field of inclusive entrepreneurship and learn from their best practices to apply in our own communities as practitioners. Today, we'll be speaking with Shelly Bell. Welcome, Shelly. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, we've been looking forward to this podcast. And just to start off, can you give our listeners a little introduction into your work, some of the ventures you're currently involved in, and uh, what's what's going to come next? Yeah, I'm Shelly Bell, the founder of Black Girl Ventures. We work to create access to capital for Black and Brown women founders. Uh, one of the ways we do that uh, is that we have created a unique pitch competition that lowers the barriers of access to capital for founders by combining a Shark Tank and Kickstarter experience where Black Girl Ventures actually influences the community to give to women who have pitched their business um, on stages, typically pre-COVID and now uh, virtually. We have funded uh, some amazing companies. Some of my favorite ones are companies like uh, Spindet um, by a husband and wife duo out of Houston, Texas. Um, and what spend debt does is it allows you to spend while you're sh- spend down your debt while you're shopping. So while you're shopping, you can also pay off your debt. And one of the uh, one of the pivots that they've made recently, not a full pivot, but one of the things they're working on is working with utility companies. And so imagine that like while you're doing your everyday shopping, you can actually be paying your utility bill at the same time. I love that. Another one of my uh, my favorites is Kai Frazier from um, Kai XR. She has a VR platform that takes children on field trips while uh, using VR. And so we're industry agnostic. Uh, we see a pr- some pretty interesting country, uh, companies. We've funded 90, about over 90 women at this point to date. We've had over 180 women come through the program. We have five chapters across the country in Houston, Miami, Philadelphia, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and Durham, North Carolina, with plans to launch in a couple more cities um, that I can't quite announce yet, um, but stay tuned for those announcements. And yeah, we are, we're, we're rocking and rolling. Like we believe that activating people is a true way that we're going to see equity is that, you know, not necessarily like just allowing more people at the table, which also needs to happen, but creating multiple kinds of tables across multiple kinds of uh, ecosystems such that everybody has a table to be at that leads up to a larger table and everybody feels that like they have a voice and is empowered to get involved. So yeah, that's where we are. That's awesome. Tell me what your inspiration is. You're doing so much work. It's incredible. What is the inspiration that got it all started? And I started by, at the beginning of Black Girl Ventures, I, I start with the story of I was engaged to a man who actually did not want me to start a business. He thought it was too risky. He didn't think I should do it. He was like, oh, like, I don't, you know, I don't know about that. So I just, you know, went to work and I had a pretty great boss. I was doing some patent search work. So my degree is in computer science and I've lived a lot of lives. I've always had a, a side hustle. <laughs> so I've always been, you know, I, I, was, I called myself a private eye at one point. My first company was a web design company. And so I've always been doing something. And so here I was in this job that was, my boss was awesome. But I hate I pretty I hated it every day in terms of the work itself. And I thought I was faking it really well. And my boss called me in one day and he said, you know what? You're amazing, but this is not for you. And so he laid me off. He gave me a really great package. But at that time, I was devastated. I went home and I called California Psychics 
And I was like, oh my God, what is happening to my life? And the psychic, I should actually get California psychics to, to uh, sponsor me. And so <laughs> the psychic told me, when you find a thing that you want to do, the money will come and you're not going to be with that guy. So literally within two months, my entire life flipped upside down. And here I was throwing everything out of my living room and repainting. And I was working on some community efforts because I had done community building through poetry for different, for like different segments of people. So I had done poetry events for women, for the LGBT community. I worked with the um, Smithsonian National African Art Museum. And so I was already into com building community prior to Black Girl Ventures. So at this point, I'm like, I was working with the uh, organization that was bringing a, a festival to town and our hotel block closed early. So I'm like, ooh, started looking for what, what I could do in my living room. Didn't find anything that would make sense for the, for the festival itself. But what I did find is a teepee, all right? And I said, you know what? I'm going to build a teepee. And yes, I mean Native American tent, okay? I said, I'm going to build a teepee in my living room and I'm going to rent it out. And everybody's like, nobody's going to sleep in your living room in a teepee. That's ridiculous. You're crazy. And I'm like, yes, they will. Watch. So I'm out at the like hardware store. I got wood under one arm and like a drill in the other arm. And the guys at the hardware store are like, what are you doing? Now I'm going to build a teepee, put it in my living room, and I'm going to rent it out. And people are like, yeah, nobody's going to sleep in your living room in a teepee. You know, my, so a couple of friends are like, girl, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to build a teepee, put it in my living room, and rent it out, right? So I build this teepee. My mom helps me. She's like, I don't know where this is going, but, like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. So she helps me put the bedding together. And it was actually pretty amazing. We, and from there, Airbnb has a teepee option. Aha, right? So we put it up on Airbnb and we're rocking and rolling. So many people wanted to come and sleep in that teepee that after letting one woman come and stay, I quickly found out that I didn't want anybody sleeping in my living room in a teepee. <laughs> and so I, I was like, we're not doing this. Started thinking, what other skills do I have? Landed on a t-shirt company, launched a line called Made by a Black Woman, and then started in, um, printing for other people. So I launched a print shop and a t-shirt company all kind of at the same time. And my mom invested some money. I took my tax money and bought my own machines. And here we were rocking and rolling, traveling up and down the East Coast, selling these made by a black woman t-shirts and vending everywhere that we possibly could vend. And then I started printing for other people as well. So by the end of that first full year in business, I had made SS Magazine holiday gift guide for our infant bodysuit. I had done um, large orders and started working with influencers on doing some printing and started making headway with developing relationships with Amazon and Google. And so my second year of business as a print shop, I was work I was doing uh, orders for Amazon and Google uh, and really leveled up my business at this point. And so the news came out, you know, less than 1% of black women are at getting access to venture capital. And I was like, what? Okay, well, that's something that we could do about that. And so my first thought was, let's just pull a bunch of people together, put them in a living room, and let's just give some money away, right? Like four women pitch, they got up. They, we we voted with marbles and coffee mugs, David. Okay, so wow. it, it was, I cooked all the food myself, which I was I vowed to never do again. And so there we were, uh, you know, just giving the money away, and, and people liked it. And so I said, oh, we should keep doing this. And that's really how it was birthed. And naturally, as a book businesswoman, I started getting bigger partnerships and going out and talking to spaces where we could host it. Um, and we, and we just started growing from there. And then I, I found we landed a partnership with Google. And then from there, we started traveling across the country, 
from in Google offices. So we would host these events inside of Google offices and then people would vote with their dollars. And at early 2019, I figured I have to build out a different way to do this because the donations and the plot and the, the, the donating and the voting was too challenging. You know, we, we were you doing it manually and testing it where you were like, have to check out for one person all the way, then come back, try to find another person, <laughs> yeah. check out all the way. And so at the end of 2019, we I, I built and beta tested a proprietary software called SheRaise that is a pitch competition management system for donating and voting and crowdfunding. And so that's, that's what we use now. And it has been an amazing journey because now everybody can get some access to capital. And now we focus on working with sponsors to get the top three people more capital. And we also have branched into, we were just seeing such really great deal flow from that, that we now have um, people who come to it, like investment firms that we're connecting people to. So it's been, it's been an amazing journey to watch this evolve and, and, you know, the community aspect of it really is what really energizes me, honestly. It's an incredible story, Shelley. Hopefully someday we'll make a movie or a book out of this story. It's, it's so powerful. The first question that comes to mind is we hear about barriers to entry for entrepreneurs all the time. First, did you see any barriers when you were going about this rocket ship ride? And how did you overcome those uh, barriers? And whether people that were catalysts to helping you through all of these different ventures? That's such a great question. I did not see barriers until I got to a point where I was raising large, I was raising larger capital. So like while I was in my realm, you know, doing my thing, building products that work and going B to C, um, I didn't really see any barriers. And I would, when I started going B to B, so when it came down to working with corporations to actually um, to begin to get larger orders and really level up my print shop. And I, and I don't know that I would call it barriers. Like, I guess it is a barrier, but like it it is, it is, I learned how to navigate. Right. And I learned to like, Oh, to navigate this, you need to know people. And that's what I learned. I learned you need to know people and that like going to school, doing a really great job and being really smart it was, was like, it, it's great and you need that too, it, but it's the full picture of what kind of network can you create and how powerful is the network that you can create. And that power, that network that you can create is really, uh, you know, based off of how far you're willing to go to build it. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I just mean like, if you don't have a network, are you willing to go to events that you wouldn't normally go to? Are you willing to pay to be in spaces that you wouldn't normally pay to be in? Are you willing to be around people who are not like you? And so what I learned is, you know, first thing is, do you know people? And a lot of underrepresented founders don't have really powerful networks. Another piece that I found is um, the language barrier. And I mean, in like being able to communicate in the philanthropic world is just completely different um, for the level of, of access to capital that you're able to get. And I would even say that for the venture capital world as well, the investment world, is that the founders typically have a mismatch in the way they're communicating with the funder. And honestly, I learned a lot of these lessons from just doing it. And sometimes you think you could learn the lesson before doing it, but that may not always be the case. You learn a lot when you just jump out there and start doing it. So my barriers were not around my, um, 
I had a, I have had, and admittedly so, a delusional belief in whatever I'm doing. And I think like after I made that TP work, I said I could make anything work. If I can get people to come sleep in my living room with TP, you can't tell me nothing. All right. And so I think from there that really shifted me into let me, and I'll take it a step back as to how I my mindset in terms of like against barriers and what that means is that when I was doing poetry and I had a CD for sale and I was going around, I was like DMing everybody, like, buy my CD, buy my CD, buy my CD. And I ran into a veteran poet who was like, why should I buy your CD? Now, to me, that felt harsh. You know, like, you could just because it's great. Like, you should do it because it's a great CD. And he's like, yeah, but so? There's a bunch of great CDs. Why should I buy your CD? And so now here I am. This is not even something I thought about because I'm just like, you heard my poems before buy my CD. But now here I am trying to figure out all these answers to why you should buy it. And then he started giving me certain like knowledge on like ways to think about it. And I think I was being a little combative at first. And he said to me, now, you know, all that, you know, and I know all that I know, wouldn't you be better off if you know all that, you know, and all that I know. And in that moment I went, Ooh, you right. So I'm going to just listen. And I took that and every industry I enter into, every endeavor that I'm moving toward, I'm thinking, I don't just want to get money from you. I want to know what you know. I want the ability to think in the way that you're thinking, if that thinking adds to what I'm thinking. And I started to take that spin on it. And I think that has allowed me to move around, to navigate in ways where I don't know that I see things as barriers for myself. Um, I do think for founders, confidence is a barrier. Your money history is a barrier. Your access to your ability to access the thought process of a millionaire billionaire person is a barrier. If you haven't seen money at certain levels, you know, it's a barrier. And so and that is not like knowledge that everybody's dishing out in accelerators and incubators. Is a lot of that stuff you learn through intimate conversations and dinners and, you know, <laughs> listening to podcasts sometime and, you know, things that are not necessarily you just going and making an ass. Your story is fascinating, Shelly. So I'm going to try and challenge you if that's okay. Uh, yeah, if you're ready for, yeah, yeah, for a minute, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, you know, uh, take a step back because I want to ask you a very serious question. So I am also uh, a person of color and uh, I've been able to scale this business uh, just to give you some context on scale. Uh, we're going to have over a million dollars worth of contracts this year in our first full year of selling a SaaS product. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And and I'm saying that because we both, you know, I your message resonates so much with me in that at the end of the day, we're both curious, we're both hustlers, we're going to go out there, we're going to get the market. However, you had started by saying the inspiration for this was that you had found that less than 1% of the funding went to Black women. And therein lies the problem, right? We both are able to kind of fight the system, but there is an unconscious bias, and in some cases, a conscious bias towards helping people of color or underrepresented communities overall. And in your line of work, have you seen or others that have had these barriers thrown at them uh, and were not as fortunate as you and me to kind of scale our, our ventures quickly? 
Have you seen those barriers? And what would your advice be to either founders who have these barriers uh, or to institutions and entrepreneurship centers that kind of put programs together to help break these barriers down? Yeah, great question. I think um, build a really great company and build a company that makes money and start a business that makes money. I think one of the things about Black Girl Ventures 2 and the journey to build it was that I didn't start, I started out saying, I'm just going to build this and we, because it has a, we have a revenue generator, a revenue model behind the pitch competition. And so my thought was, I'm going to build this and we're going to, you know, I'm going to have a revenue model. We're just going to make money. I don't plan on going to ask anyone for money. Um, eventually I'm like, why not ask? Because we could get, we could use more money to build this out. So I'm going to start asking because I kind of got around that mentality of like, do everything by myself kind of thing. Um, I have, I see founders all the time that are facing barriers, you know, white men who don't understand black hair products, um, you know, men in general who don't understand women's skincare or feminine care. Um, uh, you know, maybe, you know, possibly, you know, white women who don't understand black, you know, people who want to focus on populations of black and brown folks for, you know, things that are particular to the uh, black and brown experience. So I do think that those kinds of barriers are out there. Location is a barrier, right? If you can't live in New York, Boston, or LA, or um, or uh, Silicon Valley, then, you know, you're less likely to get capital. So that's also a barrier, you know, and, and being willing to up and move to attend an accelerator is a barrier. Accelerators having programs that are 13 weeks long and only between 9 a.m. to, to 5, 8, 5 p.m. is also a barrier. Um, you know, being in a in a community that has a bunch of gatekeepers, so much so that you can't actually find the on-ramp into the ecosystem, that is a barrier. You know, so like these are all things that people face that for, that attribute to that less than 1% of Black women founders being funded. And I don't know that we always tell the full picture of that. I think that sometimes we kind of stop at the um, the racism and the bias. And I'm not saying we shouldn't, because I think we should definitely blow that up and then, you know, uh, cause people to stop doing it if possible and any, by any means necessary. And even if that gets blown up, we won't be able to lower or remove the barriers if we haven't addressed the fact that the way the found the way we have to go about this as founders includes us thinking about uh, all all these other pieces, right? So, yeah, I would say that's what I've seen. I've, I've seen people be really resilient um, about it, and I've seen people do like really study as they go, so that they can look back at how to engage in the next uh, relationship build or how to engage with the next uh, investor or firm, how to map out the investors and firms that really match up with who you are and what you do. I I am uh, in agreement with you on that. Uh, I'm actually doing a talk later today with the IEDC conference about rural entrepreneurship. And there the barrier is broadband, right? Where the fact that you don't have just good internet connection can be a huge barrier to bringing your business online. Or if you're trying to work online and your kids home because of COVID-19 and they're not able to do their homework because the broadband is not strong enough to support multiple computers. Now somebody's got to have to give up. And uh, there are real challenges uh, 
that, like you said, could be location-based or could be uh, based on what you know. Uh, and I am a huge proponent of constantly learning. I've got an audiobook at any given time. So if you have a recommendation on what I should listen to next, uh, I'm, I'm all yours. Uh, so I'm going to shift focus uh, and then talk a little bit more about uh, where you are today. And uh, it, has COVID-19 affected your business in any way? Have you pivoted? I'm sure uh, there are some pivots that are going on that I think our uh, participants and our listeners can benefit from. Yeah, um, we have, I wouldn't say that we pivoted. I would say that like we sped some things up in the pipeline. So we were always planning to launch an online community, but because COVID hit, we we needed to speed up the pipeline, speed that up in the pipeline, like move that up in the pipeline. Um, we, it did shut down our chapter launches. So we were launching the chapters and then COVID hit and then we could not be as physically present in the markets as we as we wanted to. We also had COVID like affect some affect our internal cha- uh, chapter leads. You know, they had to make different sacrifices about their own businesses. Um, and so we did see the, that type of response happen. Um, in terms of of Black Girl Ventures and where and where we are. Um, we are, well, right now we have a pitch competition. We're in our pitch season. And so right now the Philly pitch competition is live. The Houston competition will be next. And for the first time ever, we're going to have a national competition that is a, uh, that is for the beauty industry. And we're partnering with a group called Rare Beauty Brands. Um, and I am excited about that because, you know, during this time I've seen the beauty industry, actually be one to take a take a hit but also keep like take a hit and then keep on ticking you know like it like it is really really still thriving um so people who were who had uh would traditionally do makeup they have pivoted to doing um products and then people who would you know their skincare lines and things like that you have to be in per in person they're getting really creative with video who people who were traditionally doing a lot of vending or figuring out a way to maximize social media. So so the beauty industry is is really thriving as well. We're going to have that national competition. Another thing that has happened, so in, in response to George Floyd's murder, there's also been an uptick and influx of partners and people who really want to double down on um, equity and inclusion. We're excited uh, to be partnered with Visa, to being able to receive funding from PayPal, um, to be partnered with and working with people like Warby Parker, uh, Vogue Co, Cool House, which is an ice cream, um, amazing ice cream brand. So um, Kim Crawford Wines, Johnny Walker Brands. Like we, we're so excited to be able to have this new influx of partners to really help us serve. Because honestly, David, when COVID hit, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, if it's hard for a black woman to raise capital on a regular day, it's going to be extremely hard for a black woman to try to raise money in COVID. And and I think a lot of people were just doubling, doubling down on their current portfolios, which left a lot of founders out there at a certain point to try to figure out, oh my goodness, what's happening. And then the this stint of the Black Lives Matter movement uh, really, um, like tragically, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that this is the, the spark that had to happen and you know, I, I I celebrate that we are that people are doing something, you know, that people are making a move in what hopefully feels like the right direction. I mean, people ask me a lot of time, like, do you feel like it's performative? 
Do you feel like people are really serious? Do you feel like venture firms are really going to shift and change? And the answer is we won't know until three to five years from now when we, when we can actually measure the data on any of this. I will say that the people that are our partners have a, have been really serious about us committing about committing with us to multi year relationships, and they've been really uh, interested in like how we work together. We want to learn from them; they want to learn from us. And so, I feel like our partners are serious. I can't speak for everyone that's making announcements. So, if a person of color or an underrepresented entrepreneur is listening to this podcast. What would be your advice if you had to say, like, you know, just do these two things uh, to be able to scale through some of the challenges they will face as they start out? What are two things that you've told yourself over and over again that as long as I'm doing these things, I'm going to be okay? As long as I'm focused on revenue generation, as long as I am providing a value exchange, I'm going to be okay. So as long as whatever I'm doing, so I would, you know, there's a phrase, fair exchange, no robbery, right? So as long as there, we feel like there's a fair exchange between the value that we are offering and the value that we are getting, I think that you'll always be okay. Um, I think that right now, focusing on revenue generation and focusing on, well, wait, let me give the third one. Relationship building, relationship building, relationship building. And I mean that in a way where, you know, I concentrate on building really authentic relationships that are that don't have to be personal. And I think that people kind of get that, you know, twisted in between the two. They feel like if they create an authentic relationship, then it has to be personal and it has to be like a bleeding heart. And now you know everything about my life. And that's not necessarily the case. You could just be a real person with another person where that relationship could be so fruitful beyond anything that you had ever thought that it would become. And that has been actually one of the really, really major pieces of what we've been able to do as micro ventures is to provide that value to value exchange um, with relationship building. Yes, that is so powerful. And there's so much resonance, Shelley, with what you're saying and uh, our own journey as a startup. And I think uh, the one thing that you said, I tell to my team all the time, we are our only competition that we are not going to win or lose because of somebody else doing something great. We're going to win or lose because we didn't do something or we did something. And that uh, the only fear I have is us not getting it right at every step. And like you said, uh, the number one thing is focus on revenue and focus on clients and making sure you get the cash in, the cash out, uh, all such solid advice. Uh, and it's just kind of reinforcing some of the beliefs I've personally had as a startup founder. So thank you for sharing that piece. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, last piece, what's next for you and where can people find out more about Black Girl Ventures and all of your work? So we are going, we're going bigger, go home, right? We're going bigger. So right now we have five chapters. We are determined to at least have 10. And then we're going to be looking, stretching out across regions. And then we're going to be looking at international. So we are we are not stopping. I am on a mission to get as many black and brown women founders that I can, access to relationships, access to capacity building, access to capital. And by, by activating as many community members as I can to help them get there. So yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be stretching out across the country a little bit more. Uh, one of the chapters that we are having the pipeline to launch is LA. We also have a competition that we're 
looking at that will be in Oakland in 2021. So like stay tuned for our all of that major activity. And to find us, you can follow us on all social media. So for Instagram, it's at Black Girl Ventures. And for Twitter, it's B Girl Ventures. Um, you can just go straight to our website if you want to apply for a um, apply for the Bumble Fund or apply for the pitch competition at www.blackgirlventures.org. You can follow me as well on social media because I'm funny. Um, and that is at I am Shelly Bell. I am S-H-E-L-L-Y-B as in boy E-L-L um, on all platforms. I am Shelly Bell.com. I am Shelly Bell on Twitter. I am Shelly Bell on Instagram. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I hope that we can bring you back uh, once COVID is over and we uh, will be able to kind of continue to follow your journey and uh, hear what, you know, what happened to all of this and where what was the next venture you started? Because I'm sure you're already thinking about what's the next big thing. Oh, you know I am, David. <laughs> you know I am. That's awesome. Well, thank you. For listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners hosted by David Palmraj. Special thanks to Shelly Bell for joining us. Cover art by show manager and creative director Mackenzie Dial Pritchard. Edited and produced by Lauren Bernard. If you'd like to suggest interviewees, new topics, or just want to reach out, please email us at podcast at startupspace.app. All Breaking Down Barriers episodes are available on our website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe for all the latest updates.